0: This is a conversation with Brian Ritter. Uh, Brian is Planning Director at Wyden & Kennedy. He worked on the OKCupid brand when he was in their New York office, and he just uh, recently relocated to London. What I love about OKCupid is it's an example of how uh, things always seem to cycle around in marketing. Uh, that what was old can be new again, and that uh, the reaction of one company versus another creates a desire for the alternative. And sometimes that alternative is the original. And that's what's cool about this because OKCupid is a brand that started roughly you know 20 years ago, and was one of the early pioneers of online dating websites, along with uh, eHarmony and uh, Match.com and such. And then in uh, roughly around 2006 or maybe a little bit later, I'm not sure exactly of the dates, maybe it was a lot later, uh, Tinder came along. And Tinder sort of revolutionized the whole world of dating. It sort of gamified it. It made it sort of fun. And whereas in the early days of online dating, there was almost a stigma associated with it where people were, were felt to be somewhat desperate to be up on our dating website, Tinder changed all that and made it fun and engaging. Now, the downside of Tinder then began to sort of seep in. And in more recent years, there's been this sense of fatigue with Tinder that being judged solely on your appearance, on your photo, on your face you know, was uh, sort of a uh, superficial way to select people. So that sort of created the context for the reintroduction of OKCupid and for as a way of OKCupid to begin to make itself relevant for a, a newer younger audience who had forgotten about OkCupid or was never aware of them to begin with. So um, that's the opportunity that widened surfaced. And as Brian will tell us, uh, the positioning was around this idea of being the anecdote to superficiality. Enjoy. Welcome, Brian. It's, uh, it's great to have you on an episode. Thanks for having
1: me. Um, never really done this before, but I'm excited.
0: Good, and you've just recently moved to the London office maybe a couple of months now, or is it just a couple of weeks? A uh,
1: couple of months just in time to go indoors and be locked inside in another country. So. <laughs> just that crazy. Did that Is that literally what happened? I mean within a matter of a
0: week or two you were you were homebound like uh, like everybody else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I landed and I got I think four days in the office, so I at least got to to meet my team in person. Um I had been working with them a little bit from, from New York, but yeah, four days in the office, I think, before we went in. So what do you what do you work on in the uh,
0: in the what, in the London office slash home?
1: Yeah, so yeah, my my home office now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh I run Nike for Widen London. Um and then I also work across Bud Light and, and Camden beers, so ABI products. Nice, nice.
0: So today we're gonna we're gonna talk about OKCupid as uh as an example of a campaign that was done i think when you were in the new york office is that when you worked on it yeah in new york tell us a little bit about about the category okay cupid it's it's a it's a dating app dating platform uh online dating platform so tell us a little bit about the category and um and sort of what's what's the dynamic going on
1: yeah um I i guess the first thing is the dating category is is massive um I think Tinder has something like 40 million or above downloads. Um, and it went sort of from, from something that was maybe perceived as a bit different, maybe maybe not something you'd talk about with your friends. So you wouldn't feel totally comfortable telling people you were on online dating apps uh, years ago. Um, and then sort of in 2012, Tinder came around and Tinder sort of mainstreamed the whole category. Um, and I guess Tinder is probably the place to start because of that. Um, given that it sort of took dating, for, dating apps from like an online desktop thing to something that college kids were using on their smartphones. So in, I think in 2012 or around there, uh, it launched in LA on campuses like USC. Uh, and it was basically uh, like playing the hot or not dating game. Uh, so you'd see a couple of photos, you'd swipe left or right, and they sort of ingrained that idea of, of swipe left, swipe right into, into pop culture.
0: No doubt. And, and it's sort of it's, it's interesting to think about when you, when you talk about people being somewhat self-conscious about being on dating, um, dating sites. Because it was primarily, it started out just being websites and then it, it, it evolved to being apps. But tell, talk, talk a little bit about why you think people were self-conscious uh, at that stage.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think part of it was that it was an extension of the early internet. I mean, OKCupid was 2004, I think it came about. Uh, So it was more of an extension of the way that people would meet people online and chat rooms and things like that over shared interests, whether that was books or films and things. But it wasn't wasn't necessarily the way that you grew up thinking that you would meet someone. I think that's probably at the core of where that self-consciousness comes from a bit. Uh, You know, you grew up watching rom-coms and and meeting people that way uh in an ice cream parlor and things like that or you're you grew up where your parents would introduce you to someone uh so this was a completely foreign concept i think to most people
0: yeah it's interesting because you you would um depending on where you are you almost you you almost felt that you would uh find people in your community that you would date and so yep. it, was, it was as if this sort of opened up a whole new window and the opportunity for you to meet people in far wider geographies, Probably the same city, but it's not as if you always had to go to your favorite bar and you were restricted by the people who turned up that night.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember reading uh, Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance and he talks about how your parents or maybe even your grandparents' generation, basically like how big their radius was of people they met. So it was normally... You might have ended up marrying someone who lived in your building, or likely lived. You married someone who lived on your block, or maybe went to high school with you, and things like that. Your bubble was was much smaller than it is today, and especially how big it is with online dating.
0: Is it true that Tinder and OkCupid are owned by the same company?
1: They are. Yeah. They also, I think, eHarmony is also in that group now as well. So they've basically got. uh, I would describe it as levels of of commitment for you. (laughs) <laughs> in terms of what are you looking for? Are you just looking to meet people for the first time? Like something on Tinder, OK Cupid, maybe you know a little bit more of what you want. And then eHarmony, it's like I'm definitely looking for a serious long term relationship and probably probably marriage.
0: So what 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 changed for OK Cupid between them being the big dog, so to speak, back in the day? And um and then more recently when we went from desktop to app culture, um, which is Ten years ago or more, but what what changed for them that led them uh, to be at your door talking about challenges in their business? What what had gone
1: on during that time? Yeah, I mean, I guess in short, Tinder Tinder happened, <laughs> the Tinder revolution. Uh, I think I think when you look at it, you know, Tinder by making it fun, making it a hit, It'd make you college. make you almost less less uh, self conscious to be doing it to participate, and stigmatized, yeah, stigmatized, yeah. right. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Uh, yeah, it brought it into the light and it sort of just made it a thing that like, it was a game almost first and foremost of just like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, left, right. And, and I think that that helped once you had younger people being like, this is fun. This is an interesting way to meet people. I get to meet a lot of people. It's not, it's not desperate. It's not, like, it's not that I can't meet people in real life. This is just fun to do. Uh and I think once that happened, it made dating apps like Tinder really interesting. But then it also sort of painted okay, Cupid in a more negative light, I guess, in that it started to make them look like it was a try-hard place or a place you had to invest more time in um, that you wouldn't be doing if you were a college kid. You didn't need that. And it and it didn't have the same maybe social stigma that you couldn't meet people the tradi- like the old fashioned way of just in real life? Right. Um it was still just more a social fun thing. It wasn't it didn't have some of that baggage, I guess.
0: So what were some of the things about OKCupid in terms of how it was structured in terms of its its uh its process of onboarding somebody, for example. What was it about that that needed that that they felt needed to change? Was it just was it just an issue of adding
1: some functionality or was there a deeper rooted problem? Well, that's actually what's really interesting about OKCupid is that they 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 did update the, the site itself and they did make a better mobile version, which I think helps. Um once it can, can become accessible on your mobile and things like that. But I think at the core of what OKCupid is, didn't change. So I think. To answer that question, it's more about what changed with dating through sort of the advent of Tinder. So as OKCupid sort of took a back seat, let's say, Tinder sort of recontextualized dating. And this isn't this isn't Tinder's fault because it's it's part of human nature, but it did sort of the the lightness of touch and sort of the fun of it sort of started to make dating feel a little bit more superficial. And I think what you started to see was the fatigue of Tinder, the, uh, the fatigue of going in and getting on an app, swiping for a while, finding someone you might be interested in, not matching with them. You do match with them, but you don't actually know anything about them. So you go, you end up on dates that maybe you wouldn't have gone on if you had known more about the person that you realize, you quickly realize you don't have anything potentially in common with. Bumble and some of the other apps were all sort of positioned, all these other modern apps were sort of positioned as a pivot off of, off of Bumble or sorry, off of Tinder. So you had Bumble that tried to solve the problem of bad behavior and bad conversations initiated by by men on the app by making it so that women had to make the first move and would initiate those conversations and sort of start them on their own terms. Hinge tried to come out and address the problem that you felt like you were just meeting lots of strangers on, on Tinder. So it, it sort of developed itself as a way to play off the six degrees of separation thing where you you were only meeting friends of friends um, and then the league was like okay there's too many people that aren't a right fit let's see if we can curate uh, a better group of people to date that uh, the only people on the app are people that are invited by other people already on the app
0: yeah the league is an interesting one isn't it because it's sort of a it's a premium very selective experience with the league because I mean you have to share Your LinkedIn profile, you have to talk about where you went to college, you have to talk, you have to share your job title. So it's almost like this uh, uh, selective group of birds of a feather almost wanting to connect, Not, not in terms of your personality attributes or what your likes and dislikes are, but more about your resume. Totally that idea of these sort of 20 questions are the 38 factors of compatibility i mean that was very much an e-harmony thing going way back then it's it's not unusual that there's sort of that algorithm right it's exactly. it's really an, it's really a positioning exercise which is what's kind of cool about this because e-harmony just for for me um it feels like it has a much older uh, uh sort of a feel to it a tone to it an appeal to it and it doesn't help that, of course, the the uh, the 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 uh, sort of the spokesperson is a much yeah. older man. But but uh, it almost it seems like okay, Cupid was a sort of a, a a recognition that you can have that same back end system, but at the front end, you can either be young and progressive and fun or you could be older stodgy and conservative which may, may be where you might put match.com or eHarmony. so it was really about brand personality at the end of the day in terms of the aesthetic the aesthetic and the personality of the brand
1: yeah i think i think the brand values as well i mean i think they to your point about conservative versus progressive okcupid wasn't afraid to uh update how people could identify on the app they weren't afraid to to make it so that it was easy for you to meet the person you wanted to meet regardless of, uh, genders and things like that. And, and, you know, they have questions built into the app that are questions around how important is it that someone has, has has the same values as you and political beliefs as you, but also it gets down into specific issues that you, that you think are important, um, including who you would vote for for president and, your feelings on like planned parenthood and things like that. So they weren't afraid to put those types of more younger progressive values front and center as people outlined those things and built their profiles.
0: Love it. So uh, take us back to the to the early meetings that you remember. What was the what was the client ask? They come in, there's a conversation that happens. Was it a was it a pitch by the way or was it just initial conversation that led to a relationship
1: agency yeah. relationship? Yeah, it was more just an initial conversation. Um, and I think, they, I think they were sort of that classic thing that I won't say just Wyden does really well with, but we really enjoy working on, um, which is a brand that really knew who they were. Like I was saying, they, they, they didn't look at their product and go, our product is wrong. They looked at the fact that, they, that people had kind of forgotten about them. They hadn't done advertising in a while. They'd sort of taken this backseat to, to the Tinders of the world and the Bumbles of the world. And they came in and they, you know, they were like, this is, this is the way that OkCupid works. And this is the value that we think it brings. And then it was a question of what do we do with that? Because um, it, it was very much an awareness thing. And, and they had an aging, aging user base. Uh, so they needed to, to connect with, with young people, specifically connecting with young women. Um, which, you know, the, the reason for that is, is because if you can get, uh, I guess I'll say that women are discerning while men are not. So if you can, if you can have women look at the app positively and start joining, the men will flock there. So that was sort of the problem they needed to solve. Tell me a little bit
0: about what you guys did specifically take us through some of the, the tactics you may have used. Uh, to sort of get a sense of a perspective on what the problem might be, because many times the problem that's articulated in a in a conversation is not the real problem that needs to be solved at the end of the day. And planning can help get to that underlying problem. But did did you what what did you guys do to sort of uh, get a sense of what was going on in
1: culture? I think the first thing we did was just had a lot of informal chats with men and women in their early twenties who were dating, just get a sense of you know what's working what isn't when it, come, when it comes to online dating. We also read a lot of dating blogs, read a lot of articles in magazines. Um, like I said before, we read Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance just as like one book that gave a good look into like modern dating. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing you quickly, quickly realized, to your point about what the real problem to solve was, the, the, the brand problem itself was awareness, right? So people have sort of forgotten what OkCupid okay is or what it's for. The, but the real problem when you start to think about it from a, from a dating app that wants to grow is a bit of the disillusionment around dating was what sort of rose to the surface. I mean, to put it bluntly, dating can really suck. There's a lot of people just talking about how like dating felt like a waste of time. Um, but at the same time you really want to meet someone. So you sort of just have to grin and bear it a bit.
0: Yeah and then also the superficiality of it in terms of what Tinder as you said earlier is what Tinder did to culture and 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 what that did to the way that we f- even more so feeling increasingly judged based solely on appearance right
1: yeah and i think in a culture where everything you always feel a bit judged you always feel like you're a bit on display um i think dating apps had sort of made that worse in a way. And, it, and it's not that dating apps invented that thing. I think they just sort of perpetuated some of those worst of our behaviors when it came to our interactions with other people.
0: So was, there, was, there a, um, was the fact that people were frustrated with the existing app platforms, was that uh, causing them to behave differently or to look for other alternatives? I mean, was there sort of this nascent desire for a, a, uh, a more meaningful or, or a different platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people were were going on Tinder breaks and things like that, where where they're just putting dating apps away and trying to just go out more, socialize with friends, maybe expand their friend group, meet people that way. Um, the hard part is that there's this that underlying desire to to meet someone. So right, the the busier you get and living in a new city and not knowing anyone, your social group is smaller than it was in college and things like that. It sort of necessitates the need for dating apps in a way. And yeah, I think it starts to feel like if you're not on the dating apps, you're not gonna meet someone weirdly too. So I think there was a a desire for a better way to date for sure. Uh, Whether they viewed that as another dating app or not, I think that was a question just because the dating app category had been so defined by the few that they knew, these bigger ones, these newer ones, that it wasn't like there was a lot of faith in dating apps to offer a better alternative
0: was there a key thought or a key issue or a key insight that you could articulate for us that came out of that, that sort of became the the foundation of the creative work?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess the key finding was just how bad it was out there. Um, and, and that's the benefit of, in a way of, OKCupid having sort of fallen by the wayside and been forgotten amongst this younger generation of daters that they weren't really carrying any of the the brand name baggage associated with how frustrating dating had become. But I think when you take a step back, you go, the reason that people understood the work as it finally came out was because it was pushing off a thing that you could sort of feel in your gut that just knew was inherently true. It wasn't something that was wrapped up in a, in a brand purpose that didn't make any sense. It just, it was the coming together of a, a dating culture had become super superficial and a dating app that you've forgotten about, whose whole idea was based on bringing some depth and personality and human 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 humanity back to dating. I guess
0: it seems like a, a pretty understandable finding that in a, in a culture that's sort of frivolous, that there's a desire for meaning. But then, is meaning emotional? I mean, is that is that sort of a little? A bridge that you had to cross over with creative to kind of go. Well, we've got to make it. We've got to make this interesting. It can't be about things being meaningful. It's got to become something that uh, that that uh, draws people in. Was that was that uh, was that a challenge that you guys faced in talking with creative about how to make that
1: rational finding something that could be really meaningful creatively? I think you hit on it right there. It's that meaningful. The work doesn't have to be earnest. So you still had you still had to be be able to talk about. Personality of people and and having fun with like what they the types of people they really wanted to meet and and talk about depth and talk about really getting to know someone but maybe not doing it in the earnest, call it e harmony kind of way.
0: So tell us about tell us about the campaign. Uh, wh- how do you what's the name of the campaign? I, I I see it and I kind of think it's DTF, but how do
1: you guys describe it? I, yeah, we just call it DTF as well. Um, the line on the end of it is like dating deserves better but but it's the DTF campaign internally and sort of everywhere else.
0: So tell us about where it came from and what it's trying to convey.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess all credit really goes to the, to the creative team on that. Um, they took that super simple brief that dating has become superficial. We need to bring some depth back to dating. Um, and they sort of just decided to subvert the most superficial dating term of all. So they sort of just took that nugget that is people would put DTF in their profile when they were only looking for hookups. Um, and they sort of held that symbol of superficiality up uh, as a way to subvert it. Uh, so they sort of held it up, subverted it, and turned it into a way for OkCupid to talk about their different perspective that depth is important, which is really amazing.
0: Right, right. So to, uh, share, with the, share a couple of headlines, some of your favorite
1: headlines from this campaign. <laughs> there, are super simple ones that were like date ideas, like down to down to farmer's market down to fire up the kiln, which was, which was done with two people like in a pottery studio. Um, really, really obscure stuff, not obscure, but like you can, it gets into like the, the creative sort of alternative nature of, of the audience a little bit of like down to focus on my chakras. Uh, but then things like down to four twenty, um, and then more political stuff like down to fight about the president or down to filter out the far right.
0: This this sort of quest to sort of uh be the anti-Tinder in many ways, how else did the sort of the campaign roll out? Did it, it came out as as posters, it came out as ads, it came out as video, or how how did it roll out?
1: Yeah, so it came out uh basically as a as a out-of-home and digital campaign. So a lot of visuals. And I think I guess before I go into like how it rolled out, I think the thing that deserves a lot of credit too is how brilliantly it was it was executed by the creative team and and especially I guess our art production team at Wyden deserves a lot of credit. I mean they ended up working with and finding the best partners in Mauricio Catalan and Pierre Paolo Ferrari who who run the magazine Toilet Paper. So the campaign rolled out like I said out of home things like bus shelters and and, and bus wraps. Uh, uh, there were subway takeovers. In, in places like New York City. So the subway cars would get wrapped on the inside and we even took over, I think, one of the, the stations in Williamsburg at one point. Um, we did things like wrapping it around um, the the sleeves for your coffee, the coffee sleeves. Huh. So, so, you, so you'd go into a coffee shop, get a, get a cup of coffee and it'd be wrapped in this DTF uh, wrapper, which is super bright and obviously very different than the, the standard beige or brown ones that are normally wrapping your coffee it
0: almost seemed to cry out for something to explain its attitude a little more
1: was there was was there any film associated with this at all no it was it was just just the out of film. everyone knew that by by playing with dtf you were you were taking a shot at dating culture yeah um and you could you could sort of nod to who that's about, even though it's more just about generally dating culture broadly. But I think everyone could look at it and be like, okay, I get what the idea is because this frustration with superficiality is so ingrained in culture that it's hard to misunderstand the statement it's making.
0: So I, I guess that you had to be, and, and your client had to be aware and super hyper aware in uh, in not being... Uh, too anti Tinder, given that they're owned by the same company.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's it's such a trick, right? Because it's not anti Tinder, and I, and I actually wouldn't say really anything too too harsh about Tinder anyway. I think the the bigger point is it was it's human nature to maybe be to result to superficial decisions. Tinder maybe exacerbated that or made it more prevalent, but it wasn't. It didn't make that happen. Um, and I think that's where OKCupid was more looking at it as the dating category uh, as a place rather than Tinder, even though sort of the implication there is Tinder has defined the dating category.
0: Yeah, for the launch of DTF, was there was there a social uh, component to it that you can talk about?
1: Yeah. So there we sort of took the look and feel from all of the, the out-of-home and things like that and turned that into like short form gifts and things like that. Um, Instagram takeovers. Uh, it's really interesting when you start to think about how simple the concept was. Even when it got converted to banner ads, it still had a really good rate of people clicking through and downloading the app, which you don't always associate with just brand-level advertising without calls to action. I mean, could you summarize for
0: us in a sentence or two um, what you, uh, how you would say uh, Cupid was being positioned as a result or, of this campaign or what the campaign was trying to... Uh, position okcupid okay as
1: that okcupid okay was a place where um the antidote to superficiality i guess
0: nice i like that brian Ritter, planning director wyden and kennedy in london thanks for coming on the episode thanks fergus this was fun and we'll uh, see everybody next time